There's a phrase I've heard a lot lately in our culture, and it's a cliche, but I want to pull on this thread a little bit. And the saying is, the struggle is real. Am I right? The struggle is real. We hear this, uh, you know, I live this cushy college life, but it's so hard. I mean, they expect me to go to class every single time and learn stuff. The struggle is real. Um, oh no, my cell phone, it's, it's a whole year old and it doesn't work as fast as it used to. You guys, the struggle is real. Or, oh, I'm late to work again because I hit every red light on the way to work in my car, coming from my house with running water and full of food. Like, you, the struggle is real. But I started thinking about this phrase, and there's a dark side to it. The struggle is real. We go into life, and it throws stuff at us. We have a miscarriage and we think this struggle that I never saw coming is it might take me out. My heart is crushed. We get passed over at work and walk around for weeks, months, or maybe even years with this nagging thought in the back of our head that we're unseen, that we don't matter, and that we're spending our life on, on what? Uh, the struggle is real. Those of us who have been betrayed in our relationships or have experienced that trauma on either side, we know that the struggle is real. For those of us who've come up against addiction in our own lives or in the lives of the people that we love, we know that the struggle is real. And we know just from observing life that no life is always on the, on the chart, up and to the right all the time. And we, we search the scriptures looking for some comfort and some, some meaning to this existence as we we're struggling with this, the stuff of life. And we come across the words that so many New Testament writers use, rejoice. You know, the, the original language there is, is choose joy. Over the coming weeks, let's go on a journey together. After all we've been through, and after we look at all the things ahead of us, I believe deep down in my bones that God wants us to take a journey together to reclaim our peace and to reclaim our joy and to face the struggle with a new perspective and also with the tools that God has given us. Scripture is filled with, with tools that we can use in our day-to-day -day life to face our struggles. The struggle is real, but the good news is that you and I aren't powerless against this struggle, that Jesus has given us so much that we can draw upon to face these struggles and to get through them. So we're gonna look at scriptures to, to reorient ourselves, not just a, 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 when it comes to our, our things that we come up against in life, but I think God is calling us to reorient ourselves to reality. Not reality is defined by the media or politicians or, or, the, or Hollywood and entertainment, but reality as defined by God. This week, I want to point out a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples in John chapter 16. And if you turn there or scroll there in your Bibles, this conversation will be our starting point towards recapturing our joy. And if you skip to, to verse 23, these are the words of Jesus. And he says, 
In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but I will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe? Jesus replied. A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So in this passage we've just read, I can feel the tension of Jesus trying to connect the dots for his disciples. Right now they're trying to wrap their minds around him going to, to the cross and dying and, and, and being resurrected from the dead. And, and, and they're finally starting to just get it. And Jesus is saying, like, we're going to have struggles. The, the struggle will get, is about to get very real for you guys. Uh, but I want to point out how, uh, how, he, how he's saying, like, pretty soon, you're not going to need someone to pray on your behalf, and you can approach the Father yourself. Now, in the business world, have you ever tried to get a hold of someone high up in an organization when you didn't have the direct line? I mean, you put in a phone call to the office, you'll probably get a receptionist that may put you through to an assistant, and if you're lucky you'll maybe make a, a head, uh, an appointment with the head honcho, maybe in a, a couple days or maybe even a week. That's just how it goes in this world with someone who's really important. And in the ancient world, it was the same. If you were coming from a, a faraway place, a, a different country, a different land to talk to a king or a queen, you wouldn't walk into town and go straight to the palace and, and walk in straight to the, the king's door and knock on it. Like, there would be a sentry at the gate of the palace. And if, if you were allowed to pass into uh, wherever the king or queen's residence was, you'd be handed over to one official after another, maybe four or five different stages, and you still wouldn't be guaranteed to get anywhere close royalty. So that's the, like, the kingdoms of this world and how it used to be. Not much has changed, it seemed like. And, and, and throughout the history of the church, we've a lot of times tried to recreate this hierarchy of saying, no, you need to have someone go to God for you through a priest or a saint or something like that. But here in Jesus' words, that's not there. He's saying, yeah, you can go to God directly and in my name. So the main point of, of this conversation that we've just read is that we have instant, immediate, and direct, and valued access to the presence of the living God. Yeah, 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 I know, Mike. That's, this is like Sunday school stuff. 
Like seriously, when we face those times in life that are bigger than us, when we're wrecked, we can't even see straight, much less think straight. I wanna say that again. We have direct, immediate, and valued access to the living God that created all of this from nothing. The God that brings the dead back to life. We have access to that when we believe in Jesus. In John, Jesus often prays to to God on behalf of his people, but that doesn't mean that God's people can't pray directly to God. If I was writing this out in an essay, I would say, on the contrary, (laughs) like it's, it's the opposite of that. We have direct access to the God of the universe. Those who belong to Jesus, using John's language, we're connected. We're the vines, we're the branches connected to the trunk. Through Jesus, we're connected to the same creative power that is in control of all of this. So those people that believe in Jesus, they have intimate access to the same God that Jesus enjoys, that we read about Jesus conversing with all the time. And even more, when we pray in Jesus' name and we're remembering that we belong to Jesus and that our whole life is pointed towards Jesus' glory, and that that God welcomes us, we can ask for whatever. Not whatever, but say whatever with me. We can ask whatever, whatever we want because our hearts are pointed towards Jesus and God will grant it. It's the, 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 the Lord's prayer, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. And when our hearts are pointed towards that, no matter what we go through and no matter what we talk to God about. It's right there in verse 23 that that we can ask God anything and go to God about anything. Just a little context. I'm not talking merely about, oh God, please give me a good parking spot. Oh, there it is. That's the favor of the Lord right there, right in front of the store. Uh, Or or sports and Super Bowls and that kind of stuff. This is talking about when we're working for God's glory or when we're, we're going along our business trying to follow Jesus and life hits us in the side of the head. We can go to God about anything. So why? Why can we ask God whatever? It's right there in verse 27. It's a super simple answer, but it's incredibly profound. We can ask God whatever in Jesus' name because God loves you. You can ask God whatever. Go to God about whatever because God loves you. If you're like me, you may have a a thick skull a little bit, so I'm going to say it again. God loves you. So let's stop listening to the negative recordings that we play in our head that God's far off, that, that we've made an appointment and couldn't get through to God. Like God sees what you're going through in this moment and God cares. God loves you. If we're going to fight for our peace, I love the contradiction there because we have a role in this. If we're going to fight to get our peace back, it's time to clean house in our minds. It's time to, to, to get rid of these medieval images of a God that's distant, far off, and remote. Just kind of, eh, whatever, let them figure it out. That is not the picture God gives us of God's self in the scriptures. It's not a modernistic uh, image of God that's just like some kind of cool buddy or our sidekick that's a consultant whenever we need them. We have the opportunity to serve 
and, and know the God of the universe. And today, I wanted to point out how John is saying in this passage that God the Father, life is about him and how much he loves each one who trusts in Jesus. These promises that, that Jesus made the disciples, um, like these are true for everyone who turns control over, of their lives over to God. And then look at verse 29 again. The disciples are just getting their heads around this concept of having a relationship directly with God through Jesus. And they're gonna have to hang on to that direct line of access for dear life in their lifetimes. Like Jesus is going to the cross and they're gonna be tossed around like, like logs in a flood or a tsunami. They're gonna be scattered in fear. Like Jesus says, like sheep. And Jesus as the shepherd will face that enemy and evil itself Jesus faces. And guess what? Jesus won. Jesus did win and Jesus is winning. And we are, it's, I know it's not a flattering comparison, but Jesus compares us over and over to his sheep. And notice this last portion after this, this prophecy of what's going to happen and this encouragement to say like, hey, you have a direct line to God. Notice what he gives in verses 31 through 33. It's not a warning. It's not a, if you don't do this, I'm gonna get you. It's an encouragement and a promise of peace. The struggle is real. Like in this life, you will have trouble. Even though the worst is about to come, these guys are promised peace. Not some sort of detachment. Like if you can just detach yourself from what, this isn't really happening. You're in some sort of matrix kind of thing. There is no spoon. Jesus doesn't tell them to do that. He doesn't say uh, cliches like, when hard stuff happens, just say, oh, well, stuff happens. He doesn't tell them when difficult time comes, don't just shrug your shoulders and say, it could be worse. When, when life hits the fan, he doesn't say, you know what, just tell yourself the world is a nasty place. No, when hard stuff happens, in this world we will have trouble. This is the time for us to stand on the fact that Jesus wins. And he has one already. And I love verse 33. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And when he's talking about the world there, it's not merely the planet Earth. Jesus is talking about, at the macro level, the corrupted systems that are in place in this world. The empires that just rule with the sword and by twisting of arms. Uh, the, the systems of violence and corruption and racism and, and all the evil that's in our world. The world that's come to hate and persecute and ridicule these Jesus followers that we're talking about. It wasn't put on pause or downgraded. Jesus beat it. He is victorious over all of that stuff and he came to recreate this earth even while Jesus was walking on the earth, he healed the blind, he raised the dead, he defeated death itself. Jesus changed reality itself. I, I love thinking about uh, the, like the one thing I remember from eighth grade science uh, is that matter can neither be created nor destroyed and that things in the universe are moving from a state of order to disorder. 
But Jesus is putting all, he's going against the tide of entropy. He's putting this world, renewing it, rebuilding it, restoring it. That's what reality is. And in the days after this passage, Jesus reestablished the long, long-awaited promise of God's kingdom here on earth. With this, things stopped moving towards disorder and, dis- and more and more dysfunction, and it started moving towards the way things will be one day. So, that's some pretty heady stuff. What do we do with it? <laughs> well, first of all, like because of what Jesus did, we need to reframe our thinking. And this passage challenges us to reframe our thinking of, of pain on the one side versus suffering. And a lot of the, the social scientists will tell us that, that pain, it's what is. But as we're learning about, uh, learning about a lot of the stuff that's been here in scriptures for thousands of years, suffering is how we feel about what is. And the problem comes when, when we suffer more than we need to because we expect life to be easy. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. The first Christians weren't surprised by hard times. They were more surprised when things were going well. Like this is the spiritual life when we're going against the flow of things breaking down into into chaos. And we have an option to get in the fight. And we don't fight ourselves, but we have a part to play with this. Yes, I said, get in the fight. Like my generation, especially my generation, is so uncomfortable with military metaphors, especially when it comes to the church's history and and just Jesus' statements about nonviolence. And I've heard pastors use these terms incorrectly. Like, I totally get that. I'm asking for you, if, if that's you, stick with me here for just a moment. Because the New Testament writers are not shy about using these metaphors. There is a fight going on. There is a war going on for our peace, for our souls, and for the direction of our lives. And we usually, uh, usually um, uh, don't even realize that this is going on, and, and we, we don't fight with the spiritual tools that God has told us about. Like uh, other places in the New Testament where it talks about this concept, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confessions in the presence of many witnesses. Paul also says in Ephesians 6.11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We're going to be talking about the devil pretty soon. And, And that's not just a ploy to get more clicks or views or likes or anything. There is a real force of evil in this world that wants to take you out. For our discussion here, the real battlefield, the ultimate reality battlefield isn't nation against nation and and flesh and blood against flesh and blood. There are there are forces the devil wants to take us out and silence us and make us think that we are powerless in this life and that we just have to give in to misery and go through life without peace, without joy without rejoicing. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Think about that. To demolish. 
What are you up against today? Is it anxiety? Is it depression? Are you up against a family situation that's just breaking your heart? God's given us tools that, that as we connect to Jesus and let our shepherd fight for us, these, these give us access to divine power to demolish strongholds, not just weaken them, not just to neutralize them. I love that word, demolish. So make no mistake about it. There is an enemy out there that seeks to kill, steal, destroy. This enemy seeks to devour. And when we find ourselves in those battles, and it's when, not if, it's so important that we keep our eyes on Jesus and that, that we know how to correctly frame what the battle is. There is a real struggle out there. The struggle is real. Trying to follow Jesus in a culture that's growing more and more hostile to our faith. The struggle is real when we, when we turn on the headlines and feel anxiety about all the dysfunction and violence in our world. That struggle is real and that struggle is bigger than you and it's way bigger than me. But take heart, we're the sheep and we have the best shepherd. Let the shepherd protect you. Like frame the battle and that, and that type, type, of, type, of, uh, type of image and our blood pressure can go down one or two points just right off the bat. So we're, this is the first step on our journey, that we have a direct access to God. And I wanna challenge you to just pick one or two battles that you're fighting in your life, one or two things that you're up against, and talk to the Father directly about them in Jesus' name. Or don't give up talking to the Father about them in Jesus' name. And we're, we're gonna have a chance where we, we turn, it may be for the 1,000th time that we say, God, help me through this. And, and we're gonna have that moment together here in just a second. But in the coming weeks, uh, and as, as we get further along in this, in this journey, I'm trusting and I'm expecting God to continue to release those who are asking God for wisdom and peace as we move forward into this next season of life together. This is not a time to, uh, to, 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 to just like give, to check out. Like we have a part to play and we have so much wisdom to draw upon to approach this area strategically. So we're gonna continue to explore the nature of our struggle, the tools that God has given us and what our role is to take back our peace. So until then, let's, let's get in the battle. Let's ask God for help and how God would use us and realize that we are serving a God that loves us and loves this world way more than we could ever imagine. And let's take that baby step towards that reality and the way things Jesus has made them right now. So wherever you are at, I just wanna invite you to pick one or two things and, and picture that in your mind and bow your heads and close your eyes. Dear Jesus, we need you today. We are up against it. We all have struggles. We all have things that we've been carrying around in our hearts and our minds. And in Jesus' name, we ask that you would do battle for us, that you would clothe us with the right armor. You would protect our thinking. You would protect the things that we want. You would protect 
all of the schemes that the enemy has thrown against us. And we're counting that collectively, as brothers and sisters in Christ, that your promises, like you promised your servants so many thousands of years ago, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. We, we place ourselves and ask that you would make us aware that we are in Christ and that through Christ, you are dis- demolishing all of the strongholds that come against us. In the mighty and strong and powerful name of Jesus, we pray, amen. My friends, take heart. Struggle is a part of life. No matter what you're going through, it doesn't mean that you are broken or there's something wrong with you. This is a part of life. And in the coming weeks, weeks, let's experience the peace of God as he puts us back together along with this whole world. And until we're together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. And may God give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit.